What's crack? Big dogs. Welcome back to the channel. Welcome back to the headquarters. My name is Nicholas. This is BDGE. And today we're going over 10 players that I won't draft this year, but I very well probably should be. So I'm basically going to take 10 players that I've been telling y'all to avoid and make the case for them. There's always a range of outcomes. I preach this all the time. It ain't Sunday, but we are preacheth today. Okay. There's always a range of outcomes with players, which is why I always say if you are in multiple leagues, diversify your player pool because we're all wrong about so much shit. So when you zone in on certain players or a group of certain players and you draft all of them for all of your teams, more often than not, I mean, y'all are the public. You're going to be wrong about a lot of shit. Okay. It's how the world works. It's how Vegas stays in business. So today we're going to make the case for 10 players that I've been telling y'all to avoid all summer. I'm still not going to draft their ass, but I want to make sure that my ass is covered when you guys come back to me next summer and start yelling about shit about how I told y'all not to draft them. And then I'm going to be like, nope, I told y'all that you can draft them. I just ain't drafting them. And I actually made this video last year and I went back to rewatch it to see how dumb I looked. And that shit was sharp as fuck. Even in the description, it was like 10 guys that I'm not drafting, but you probably should. And then in the description, I was like, I'm not going to be wrong about Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson, but y'all will be. Because I used to, I got eaten up last year when I was telling y'all to get off the geriatric running back train. Y'all love them in the third and fourth round. Those are guys I never drafted. Those are guys I told y'all not to draft all summer. And then uh, in the video, in the video, some of the guys that I was not drafting at all last year that I said maybe, maybe could be a thing, Leonard Fournette. Glad I didn't draft him. AJ Green, glad I didn't draft him. Stefan Diggs was a guy in the video. Okay. So this is this is why these videos are worth watching. Stefan Diggs was the guy in the video. Like I was pretty fucking spot on. I was like, you know, I'm not drafting him because this is a run first offense, but Diggs goes to a place where I'll I'll link this video in the description, by the way. Diggs goes to a place where he becomes immediately the alpha, the number one athlete on the field, and could command 140, 50, 60 targets right away and that point we're gonna look fucking stupid the fantasy community is fading him i had never really faded him per se i just wasn't really on board with using my fifth sixth round pick on him but he was a guy in that video okay so i think it's important to make sure that you understand you can't just get all of your players that you need to be drafting you need to be fading from me because i'm wrong about a lot of shit you're gonna be wrong about a lot of shit 10 guys that i hate drafting but shouldn't let's tuck our shirts in suck your fucking hoodies into your pants Stop yelling, and let's eat. If at any point you enjoy the video, make sure you hit the thumbs up button. More importantly, make sure you subscribe because we will be going live tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern time every night this week, Monday through Friday. We're doing a draft to help you prep for your draft this weekend. Subscribe, hit the notification thing, whatever the bell. I don't know how YouTube does that shit anymore. The, the, I'm, I, I do work full time on YouTube and I still know fucking nothing about YouTube. People will be asking me about like, do you check your analytics? And I'm like, fucking this is the most analytical shit you'll see in my brain at any given point. TI-83, shout out to y'all. One day I will get that sponsorship. Quarterbacks. One guy on this list, been very vocal about, and that's Matt Ryan. I just see this offense tanking. He has played horribly without Julio Jones. His numbers dip dramatically. I just don't think they're going to be that good of an offense. He's playing behind a shitty offensive line. They lose Dirk Cutter, who was like a 70% pass rate guy. But at the end of the day, what are they going to do besides throw the ball? They have nothing at the running back position, and their starting running back is a pass catcher in Mike Davis. So... It's possible that Kyle Pitts is amazing and Kyle Pitts slots in and has an extremely stellar rookie year 
And it's possible that because they don't have a run game that they throw the ball again, 65 to 70 percent of the time. I don't see a ceiling with Matt Ryan, but there is an opportunity where we look back and just say the personnel that this team has dictates that they throw the ball at the same pace that they had to do it with Dirk Cutter. So Matt Ryan, a guy that I don't think I'm going to be wrong about. I think at the end of the day, he's going to be a boring quarterback, too, that you're going to regret drafting anywhere near his price. But it's possible that they just throw the ball a ton because what else is that offense going to do? Let's move to the running backs. Miles Gaskin is the first guy on this list. Miles Gaskin, you all know, after the week one preseason game, I was extremely worried about the usage in this backfield. And I still very, very much believe that this is going to be a committee between Gaskin, uh, Salvin Ahmed, and Malcolm Brown. And we don't know how this shit is going to be divvied up. We don't know who's going to get the majority of the goal line work. We don't know who's going to get the majority of the early down work. Miles Gaskin is clearly the most talented back in this backfield. I have a hard time trusting that talent is always going to lead to opportunity, especially with a guy like Brian Flores coming from the Patriots system and seeing how well that worked for them for so long. And I know they used it last year, right? And that that that's the upside play here is that we saw what happened when Miles Gaskin was on the field last year. He did get 18. He did get 20 touches per game when he actually stayed healthy. I just, based on reports about Malcolm Brown, based on what we've seen in preseason, like week one, he took all the snaps. Week two, although Miles Gaskin looked great, Let's let's hold the fucking horses here because it was against the second string Falcons defense. So I don't give a shit about his statistics. What I care about is that he was a 50 percent snap guy, still splitting carries, still splitting snaps 50 percent while Tua was the starter and the first string was out on the field. So I still believe this is going to be a running back by committee, but it's possible that Miles Gaskin is just so much better than Salvin Ahmed and Malcolm Brown that he commands a 60 to 65% opportunity share here. He's going to catch a lot of passes, which in his own right, if he ends up catching 55, 60 passes, he'll probably return value where you're drafting him. So I might be wrong on Miles Gaskin. I'm not going to see him probably make his way onto any of my teams this year, unless he drops deeper into the you know end of sixth, seventh-ish, eighth round, whatever, whatever, whatever. Number two. Let's rack up the miles here, baby. We're getting our flight points. Miles Sanders. Uh, I, I believe I have a stain on my brand forever based on how much I loved Miles Sanders last year. And now I flip the script and he will be on none of my teams. When I look at Miles Sanders, uh, I almost think that the upside play for Miles Sanders, the, the way that he does return value, the way that he does make people who are fading him look shitty this year is being an Antonio Gibson kind of arbitrage play. Gibson that you have to use an early second round pick and Sanders is now falling. I've got him in underdog drafts at like the 412-51 over the last couple of nights. So you're getting a real, real cheap discount on Miles Sanders, who is without a doubt the most talented back in the Philly backfield. He's also the starter there, the clear starter. But that's where the certainties end with Miles Sanders. We don't know who's going to be the pass catching back because Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell are both very good at catching passes. We also don't really know who's going to be used on the goal line. I would assume that it's going to be, there we go, Colts activated Carson Wentz, Ryan Kelly, and Zach Pascal from the reserve COVID uh, uh, the reserve COVID-19 list. Okay, so we're still waiting on uh, Quentin Nelson, I believe, but Carson Wentz officially going to be playing in week one. Good to know. Miles Sanders uh, splitting that backfield. I mean, they've already told us they want to use a committee, but now Jordan Howard is gone. Now Karrion Johnson is gone. And listen, I'm not saying that them two are even close to resembling what Miles Sanders' talent are. But even if those guys combine to take 10%, 15% of opportunities or goal line touches or targets or whatever, that kills Miles Sanders' value just that much more. But now those two are gone, and Miles Sanders can be a guy who operates on first and second downs, 
And like Antonio Gibson, this offseason, we're seeing J.D. McKissick take basically all of the third down snaps. But Gibson is so heavily involved on the first two downs that it might not matter. He's getting targets. He's getting rushing opportunities. The big play here is going to be what happens near the goal line, what happens in the red zone. And we've seen, you know, their offensive line is going to be healthier than it was last year. It's not going to be like it was a few years ago, but it's going to be healthy this year. And and with Jalen Hurts under center, Miles Sanders played a lot better. He was good. And uh, I think that's the case to be made for Miles Sanders. I still think this Eagles offense could be an absolute fucking train wreck. I still think this could end up being just a pure committee where Miles Sanders is second, if not third in the backfield in terms of targets. And I don't know what they're going to do on the goal line. So that is why I hate Miles Sanders. But I can see why he, he becomes a value play when he keeps dropping as far as that he, he keeps dropping. Last guy on this list, and I talked about him in yesterday's video or two days ago's video, five players that I think could end up on championship rosters, most likely to be on championship rosters, Javonta Williams. I am not paying a fifth round, sixth round price on Javonta Williams because we've seen this story tell itself so many times, especially over the recent years. These rookie running backs who are not going into clear workhorse situations, it takes them a long time to get a meaningful role. And by a meaningful role, like a guy that you're really comfortable putting into your fantasy lineups. Melvin Gordon is so clearly entrenched as a player in this backfield that Javante Williams's talent is not going to force him into a workhorse role if it happens it's going to be over the second half of the year and uh, as we looked at the schedules in two videos ago they have a great playoff schedule they have a great playoff schedule and if Javante Williams takes over the starting role you know by week 10 he could definitely definitely do some damage on fantasy rosters I'm just not willing to pay the price because again I like I can do so many examples of this Miles Sanders and DeAndre Swift and Cam Akers and Dobbins and all of these guys we drafted in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round over the last couple of years, same situations. They all went into backfields where they were not the clear entrenched starter. They have good draft capital, second, third round. We all like them as a talent, but it takes them the, the full fucking year in order for them to start returning fantasy value on where you have to pick them. I think this is going to be the same fucking thing that we saw with all those guys over the last few years that we're going to see with Javante Williams. At the end of the year, are you going to be happy you have him on your roster at that point? Sure. But for the first like eight weeks, I don't think he's going to be anything more than like a, an okay flex play for you. And I'm not looking to use a fifth round pick when you can get dudes like Deontay Johnson, you can get T Higgins, you can get those types of guys that are going to be entrenched into your starting roster and you can feel comfortable with them. So Javante Williams, I'm not drafting him, but I could see why he will be a problem down the stretch for a lot of fantasy players. Let's move over to the wide receiver position. Adam Thielen, I've wanted no part of Adam Thielen because his entire season was predicated on touchdowns last year, okay? And now, Adam Thielen's been so good for so long because he's been the one in that offense. And I know D Diggs is more talented than Thielen was, but they never actually acted that way. Their offense never ran through Diggs. It was always through Thielen. And last year, we saw the changing of the guards. It's Justin Jefferson as a clear alpha there. And that's my problem. It's like, you have a guy who ranked 25th in targets, receptions, and yards last year, and like third in touchdowns. Like that's that's not going to hold up and be sticky. But now this funnel is becoming smaller and smaller with Irv Smith outs and Justin Jefferson missing time this preseason. Like Adam Thielen's a good enough receiver that he could end up being fine as like a low end wide receiver two. end up getting into that mid wide receiver two. He's always been a pretty big part of the game plan down in the red zone. I do think a little bit more of that shifts towards Justin Jefferson, uh, but I think he'll end up finishing higher than where he's starting to get drafted. Now, um, he's not a guy that I'm targeting, but he's kind of moved from that like guy that I want no part of in the early the end of fourth round, early fifth round to a guy that I'm saying like, OK, I'm fine taking him at the 505 or the 507 if he drops me here, whereas he was a fade for me for a long time. But this target funnel in Minnesota is literally just Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen at this point. 
and uh, just by default, he's going to get enough volume probably to be okay this year. Same thing with Mike Evans, man. The pitch basically from me all offseason has been we want parts of this Tampa Bay offense, but we want the valuable parts because we have no idea how it's going to be dispersed, right? Tom Brady throws to everybody. Tom Brady throws to whoever's open, and this offense clearly showed that last year. So I've been getting a ton of Antonio Brown, a ton of Rob Gronkowski, and a ton of Tom Brady because you could do that stack in the 8th, ninth, 10th. 15th round or whatever. Mike Evans just seems to be a guy kind of left for dead at this point because, you know, we hear the stat every year. It's like he's the only guy that has a thousand yards every single season. Right. But like a thousand yard receiver in the third round doesn't help you win fantasy championships. That That's a floor receiver that doesn't move the needle for you because people are picking league winning running backs in the third round year in and year out. And that's not what you want from a wide receiver. It's like, cool, here's a thousand receiving yards for you. But if he doesn't pop off or 14 touchdowns, he's not helping you win a fantasy championship. Like, guys, you you shouldn't be arguing for a floor player in the second or third round. That's such a fucking terrible argument. You want ceiling from your best players. You want league-winning ceiling. But with Mike Evans, the involvement is very, very clear. Last year, he was second in the NFL in targets inside the 10-yard line. I think at the end of the day, he's just Brady's guy down there. So we could talk about a, a guy like Thielen who's like touchdown numbers were crazy, crazy high, and I expect those to go down. Mike Evans has kind of always been a touchdown producer. So when he's down there in the in, inside the 10-yard line, like he's the first guy that Tom Brady tends to look at. So Mike Evans being a fade for me at the end of the third, early fourth round, I could see him end up scoring 10, 12, 14 touchdowns, whatever, this year to run it back and 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 be a fine wide receiver value play there. So not a guy I have, I've had on almost any of my teams because I like just taking Antonio Brown five rounds later, but I can understand Mike Evans' ceiling based on the touchdowns and the involvement he typically has down there with Tom Brady. Let's move over to tight ends, and we will stack Matt Ryan with Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is not a guy that I've been targeting whatsoever because his price has gotten crazy, crazy, crazy. But we know how good he is, and they've been using him all over the formation, supposedly in practice. He's going to operate as a slot receiver as well as a tight end. There's no one else to throw the fucking ball to there. It's it's really just Calvin Ridley. Russell Gage is, is the most boring slot receiver that we could probably find. And then it's Kyle Pitts. So Kyle Pitts should have a great year as a rookie tight end. I grabbed him in one of my big money leagues that I put the draft board up on uh, the video earlier this week. I got him in the sixth round, I think the 607 or 608, and uh, it was a tight end premium league. So I was fine with it there. Like that's the range that I'm really comfortable with Kyle Pitts as a rookie tight end. But the fourth, fifth round price is just crazy to me for someone who I know the ceiling of his athleticism is there, but statistically it's going to be really, really hard to match those types of numbers. But if Matt Ryan's on the list, then that means Kyle Pitts should probably be on this list as well. He's just so fucking athletic. He's like nothing we've seen come into the league in a long time. And uh, that that could absolutely translate and make a lot of people look pretty fucking stupid, including myself. Same thing with George Kittle. Like George Kittle, I've been on, on record. Like I'm not taking Kelsey in the first. I'm not taking Waller in the second. I'm not taking Kittle in the third. But Kittle in the third last year would have looked like a steal. He's dealt with a lot of injuries. If this guy stays healthy, like George Kittle, let's not forget just how much of a fucking beast George Kittle is, just how athletic this dude is. George Kittle could literally make us forget about Darren Waller, forget about Travis Kelsey if George Kittle stays healthy for the entire year and really hits his ceiling. That's how athletic this dude is. Everybody, you know, like we could put a compilation of me saying fade George Kittle this summer and then that looked like the single dumbest piece of content that I've ever produced because George, we know George Kittle is awesome, right? I think, I think a lot of these guys like Miles Sanders per se, we're still left wondering like how good he really is as an NFL running back. We're still left wondering that about a lot of young players. That's not the case for George Kittle. We know George Kittle is one of the better tight ends to ever play the game in a pass catching role. So when we keep saying to fade him, right, we want players that are good at football at the end of the day and that are involved heavily. 
and he's healthy. He's going to be on the field for every single fucking snap. I don't know what to make of this passing offense right now because actually I wanted to say, you know, he's played great with Jimmy G under center, but I started looking at the splits and George Kittle has actually played way better when they have other quarterbacks on the field. We don't know when Trey Lance is going to get on the field yet. That was that was my argument against it. It's like Jimmy G's not a great quarterback. When Trey Lance gets on the field, he has more car, uh, target competition. Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Trey Lance is going to run the ball a lot. This team overall is going to run the ball a lot. I don't know what kind of target share that leaves for George Kittle, but George Kittle is just so fucking good. So that is my argument for why he might look make me look stupid. Just straight up George Kittle is just an amazing fucking tight end at the end of the day. And then we move to our last player on this list, a third tight end, and that is Logan Thomas. He was a guy very much like Adam Thielen, uh, or actually not really like Adam Thielen at all, but Darren Waller the year prior, Logan Thomas last year was a pure volume play, okay? You might look at Logan Thomas and be like, he was really good. He wasn't. Everything about his game was pure, pure volume. Go on playerprofiler.com right now, type in Logan Thomas, look at the volume in terms of just like targets, deep targets, all that shit, routes run, top three amongst tight ends. Every single efficiency metric though, yards per route run, yards per target, yards per reception, all all of those numbers, bottom 25, outside of the top 25 for Logan Thomas. I do not like to see that because when you add more weapons to an offense and the volume comes down, you need to be efficient to hold up those numbers. They started to add uh, pieces to this offense, Curtis Samuel and Deami Brown and Adam Humphreys. And I'm like, okay, that's going to eat into Logan Thomas's really, really high target totals. And then you have them extending Logan Thomas, you know, them putting some some real faith into Logan Thomas. Then you have Ryan Fitzpatrick coming over to the offense. Then you have you have Curtis Samuel dealing with this really serious injury. So it's just like a lot of things are starting to work back towards Logan Thomas. And he is a guy who's going to be running a route or being on the field for basically every single snap that the Washington team is on the football field for. So there is a chance that, again, he just has really high volume because I don't know what these weapons are going to do. They're new weapons, a new quarterback, um, we've seen Ryan Fitzpatrick uses tight ends heavily before in the past, so I could be wrong about it. I just the efficiency metrics is being outside of the top 25 could be attributed to the fact literally that it was just Alex Smith dumping off really, really short passes. But you'd like to see more plays with the ball in your hand. If you're going to catch 100 balls, like how about make a guy miss every now and then rack up the yards perception that way. So I think there's a lot of moving parts here, but I've been I've, be, I've become a little bit more open to the idea of drafting a guy like Logan Thomas. I think that was actually nine players. I want to leave the 10th player to y'all. Who are you guys fading tremendously this year that you think you could be really, really fucking wrong on that? You could look stupid as shit. The Miles Sanders of me last year. The George Kittle of me this year. Drop it down below. Let me know down below who you are fading this year, but you're probably going to end up looking like an asshole for doing so. Just to recap, the nine players I listed, Matt Ryan, Miles Gaskin, Miles Sanders, Javante Williams, Adam Thielen, Mike Evans, George Kittle, Kyle Pitts, Logan Thomas, and y'all drop number 10 down below. While you're down there, make sure you hit the thumbs up button. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you're new. I'll see y'all tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern time for night four of five nights of mock drafting, baby. Make sure you join me, hit the notification bell, and check out bdge.store for any draft guide info, for any in-season rankings, all that shit, all there. I love y'all. I'm out. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. 
So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.